Turn with me to John chapter 7, verse 19. John chapter 7 and verse 19. Moses, at one point in the wilderness, as he was leading the children of Israel through the wilderness, prayed to God, Lord, I've had enough. Take my life. If this is how you're going to treat me, take my life. (laughs) He'd heard about as much grumbling, griping, and complaining as he could stand. Uh, The Apostle Paul said, uh, at one time, we despaired even of life. In the midst of ministry, from possibly the greatest missionary that has ever lived, he said at one point in his ministry, he despaired even of life. Ministry sometimes can be hard, and it's not just for vocational ministers. We're all called to be ministers. And whatever we do, whether we speak in the name of Jesus and we share Christ with someone, or we pray for someone, or, uh, or we serve, or perhaps we do something in Jesus' name, uh, there can be times where that becomes difficult. But thank God we are not in ministry alone. We have the Lord Jesus Christ who has told us he will never leave us or forsake us. He will sustain us through the difficult times of ministry and he'll bless us in the good times of ministry as well. The scripture we're going to look at today I think is is interesting. You know, I've often wondered why did God allow the controversy and the debates to be recorded at such a such a detailed level uh, in in the gospels. And I think one of the reasons for it is to get a good feel of the opposition that Jesus experienced. I mean, his ministry was not easy. Uh, He had opposition at every hand, and yet God gave him grace uh, during that ministry and uh, sustained him uh, as his son. And so uh, he'll do the same for us. And we need to trust the Lord. When ministry is hard, we need to trust the Lord and continue to persevere by faith in doing what God has called us to do. And that's the title of my, min- uh, of my message today, When Ministry is Hard. And I'm going to begin reading in verse 19. It said, Did Moses give you the law? Yet none of you keeps the law. Why are you trying to kill me? You have a demon, the crowd replied. Who is trying to kill you? I performed one work, and you are all amazed, Jesus answered. This is why Moses has given you circumcision. Not that it comes from Moses, but from the fathers. And you circumcise a man on the Sabbath. If a man receives circumcision on the Sabbath so that the law of Moses won't be broken, are you angry at me because I made a man entirely well on the Sabbath? Stop judging according to outward appearances. Rather, judge according to righteous judgment. Some of the people of Jerusalem were saying, Isn't this the man they are trying to kill? Yet look, he's speaking publicly, and they're saying nothing to him. Can it be true that the authorities know he is the Messiah? But we know where this man is from. When the Messiah comes, nobody will know where he is from. As he was teaching in the temple, Jesus cried out, You know me, and you know where I am from, yet I have not come on my own. But the one who sent me is true. You don't know him. 
I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. Then they tried to seize him, yet no one laid a hand on him because his hour had not yet come. However, many from the crowd believed in him and said, When the Messiah comes, he won't perform more signs than this man has done, will he? The Pharisees heard the crowd murmuring these things about him, and so the chief priests and the Pharisees sent servants to arrest him. Then Jesus said, I am only with you for a short time, and then I'm going to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come. Then the Jews said to one another, Where does he intend to go so that we won't find him? He doesn't intend to go to the Jewish people dispersed among the Greeks and teach the Greeks, does he? What is this remark he made? You will look for me and you will not find me and where I am you could not come. On the last and the most important day of the festival, Jesus stood up and cried out, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. The one who believes in me, as the scripture has said, will have streams of living water flow from deep within him. He said this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit, for the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. When some from the crowd heard these words, they said, This truly is the prophet. Others said, This is the Messiah. But some said, Surely the Messiah doesn't come from Galilee, does he? Doesn't the Scripture say the Messiah comes from David's offspring and from the town of Bethlehem, where David lived? So the crowd was divided because of him. Some of them wanted to seize him, but no one could lay hands on him. Then the servants came to the chief priests and Pharisees who asked them, Why didn't you bring him? Servants answered, No one ever spoke like this. Then the Pharisees responded to them, Are you fooled too? Have any of the rulers of the Pharisees believed in him? But this crowd, which doesn't know the law, is accursed. Nicodemus, the one who came to him previously and who is one of them, said to them, Our law doesn't judge a man before it hears from him and knows what he's doing, does it? You aren't from Galilee too, are you? They replied. Investigate, and you will see that no prophet arises from Galilee. Now, it's, it's interesting. There's a whole lot of confusion. Um, they uh, did not know where he came from to one degree because... Jesus came from heaven, uh, but they did, certain, uh, certain people knew that he was born in Bethlehem, that he was of the tribe of Judah and of the line of David, um, but the Bible also gave a prophecy about Galilee, it says the people sitting in darkness will see a great light, so I mean there's a lot of confusion, there's a lot of chaos going on, Jesus fulfills the prophecies, but they are plotting against him. They're trying to arrest him. They're trying to kill him. Uh, there's this constant undercurrent that he's facing. And in, in just a few of these verses, we're going to see how Jesus responded to the difficulty of his ministry. When serving is hard, first of all, remember, some will believe. Some will believe. Look at verse 31. However, many from the crowd believed in him. You see, in the midst of all the chaos, in the midst of all the trouble, in the midst of all the opposition, God was doing his work. I want to tell you, I hear people all the time say, well, I, you know, those people that go to church, I know some people who are hypocrites and they go to church and so forth. And um, Listen, there's nobody perfect in the world and... 
No, nobody perfect or without sin. And there are some people who are phonies. And there are some people in churches who cause trouble. But I'm here to tell you today that God is not hindered by those who cause trouble, by those who are doing the wrong thing. God still does His work. And no matter what may come, that will be true. There may be a day when we're persecuted uh, for naming the name of Christ. God will still do His work. I love what Paul said. He says, I'm chained, but the gospel is not chained. The gospel would go forth. Isn't it amazing? The gates of hell have not been able to, to, to uh, prevail against the gospel in these 2,000 years of history since Jesus. God's purpose has gone forward. God's gospel has gone forward and uh, as, as never before. Some will believe. And listen, I don't care what it is that you do to serve God. If you work in the kitchen at church, uh, if you uh, work to help clean things up, uh, if, you, if you work to plan or whatever it is that you do uh, in the church, you have a contribution to what happens and to what God does in this place. And I'm going to tell you, some will believe. Some will believe. Uh, as you're sharing the gospel, I want to tell you, sharing the gospel is spiritual warfare. You want to have uh, the, the enemy come against you, try telling people about Jesus. He hates that. But I want to tell you, there may be people that shut a door in your face. There may be people that curse you. Uh, most people don't do that. Most of the time, uh, if they reject it, it will just be a little irritation and uh, a polite refusal. Uh, but I want to tell you, some people will be saved. God will do His work. Our job is to persevere in doing the work of God. I love what the psalm says. Those that go forth uh, with precious seed weeping shall doubtless come again, bringing the sheaves with them rejoicing. I love that. Um, one scripture says, uh, don't don't go weary, for we shall weep if right, we shall reap if we faint not. Listen, I want to tell you something. Keep doing the work of God. Listen, by the way, we don't do it for people anyway, do we? If Jesus had done it for people, he would have quit almost right after he started, right? Because he had opposition, he had difficulty at every hand. At one point, he said to the disciples, are you leaving too? Everybody was leaving. No, Jesus persevered in his ministry and ultimately set his face toward the cross for the joy that was set before him. One day, we'll get to meet the people. Maybe it will be some of these children who open these Christmas boxes and read the gospel and are saved on the far side of the world. And they'll come up to us in heaven and say, thank you, I wanted to meet you for the work you did in my life. Perhaps it will be somebody in a Sunday school class. Maybe it will be one of those rowdy boys in your Sunday school class. <laughs> or, uh, you know, I, I, I was one of those uh, rowdy boys at one time. And uh, praise God for the patience. Of, I, had, I had one teacher, bless her. She's going to get jewels in her crown. She was such a, such a wonderful, patient teacher with us. And we didn't deserve it. And, uh, but, but, you know, only heaven knows what God has accomplished through the work of his people. 
And one of the, the exciting things about heaven to me will be to see what God did with the seeds we planted, with the work that we did for him. It's, it's going to be exciting. It's going to be exciting to see. So when ministry is hard, remember that some will believe. Secondly, when ministry is hard, remember that ministry is brief. Verse 33, Jesus said, I am only with you for a short time. I am only with you for a short time. Now, he's speaking to the Jewish people, and that's true. He was going to go to the cross, right? His ministry lasted roughly three years. Uh, he went to a cross, was raised and appeared for about 40 days, and then ascended to heaven to the right hand of the Father. One day he's coming again. But Jesus' time was limited. I want to tell you, your time and my time here is limited. The Bible says that our life is a vapor. Um, sometimes driving here to work in the morning, there'll be fog. And, you know, I drive over the river and so forth and everything, and sometimes the fog is pretty thick there. Many times I've driven through the fog and I couldn't see a thing, except maybe a few feet in front of my car. But after a couple of hours, the fog lifts, and there's this beautiful sunny day. Isn't that a wonderful thing? I want to tell you, as Christians, our service, our ministry for God is like that fog. It's a brief thing. It's a short thing. Eternity is to follow, and the unhindered, bright day of His coming will last forever. And never again will our joy be taken. Never again will life be hard. Never again will we have the struggles of sin and heartache and grief and pain. It will be over. Ministry is short. So, uh, when you're serving the Lord and things are hard and things are difficult, remember that the time will be short, right? Some of you who've got a few years behind you know uh, the older you get, the quicker life goes, right? <laughs> and you think, well, boy, it's not been any time. I remember two decades ago, it seems like it was yesterday. You see, this life is a vapor. Lift up your head, your redemption draws nigh. <laughs> when ministry is hard, remember that ministry is brief. So when ministry is hard, remember that some will believe. When ministry is hard, remember that ministry is brief. Thirdly, when ministry is hard, remember that eternity is near. Verse 33, then I'm going to the one who sent me. Now, I think Jesus is excited about this. Now, I know that there is a warning here for them, okay? Jesus is trying to reach them. He's trying to get their attention. He's trying to get them to repent and put their trust in him. But I think there's also a delight. As Jesus talks about this, he's, he, listen, it can't have been that exciting to come to this world after being in heaven, right? I mean, Jesus humbled himself and became a man. But Jesus was used to the glories of heaven. He said, I'm getting ready to go back. I've had enough of this. 
I remember when I left basic training. I'd had enough of that. I was glad to see it in my rearview mirror. I thought, I, I don't know if I'll ever come back to San Antonio, Texas. Uh, I'm done. Uh, Jesus says, hey, hey, I am about to be with the one who sent me. You know, holidays are coming up, and one of the things about holidays is people love to be with the ones they love. And I remember the, song, the old song, I'll Be Home for Christmas, you know, and sometimes it'd be a tearjerker for, for people. And, um, but I, I want to tell you, as great as a holiday can be with your family, how much greater will be the day when we see the one who shed his blood for us. When we see the God who loved us enough that he said, uh, I can't do without you. I'll crush my son so that I can have a relationship with you. <laughs> what love. I, I can't wrap my mind around that. The goodness of God is so great, I don't even know how to measure it. But one day I'm going to see his face. We will see him as he is. And we're going to worship him. And we're going to exalt his name. Listen, I want to tell you, the best worship you've ever experienced in this life is but a taste. I remember I went to a uh, uh, preacher's conference years ago. And uh, it was a really big conference in a big church. And... Uh, they had this, uh, this uh, choir and this children's choir that were part of this kind of a finale song that they did. And it was powerful. I mean, it was, but it was about when we see Jesus. And the kids came up with their crowns, and at the end they lifted the crowns before him. I'm going to tell you, by the time that, sh you, you get, a, get a bunch of preachers thinking about that. We were, we were shouting, we were spitting and snorting and stomping and yelling. and I mean, we were ready. Come, Jesus. We're going to see him. When ministry is hard, remember that eternity is near. Suddenly, at any moment, Jesus could come. Come on, Lord, interrupt this message. <laughs> Um, so, uh, when ministry is hard, remember that some will believe. Remember that ministry is brief. Remember that eternity is near. Remember that enemies are temporary. Look at verse 34. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. Now, if they didn't put their faith in Jesus, they wouldn't be able to go with, to be with Jesus, would they? Where I am, you cannot come. But the flip side of that, Jesus is talking, I'm, I'm here for a short time, I'm going back to the one who sent me, and where I am, you'll not be able to come. I was thinking about that, and I was thinking about God recording these conversations for us, and I thought, what a great thought. Now, we are supposed to pray for our enemies, right? We're to pray for their salvation. We're to pray that God will bring them around. But if they don't come around, we won't have to deal with them one day, right? <laughs> There's going to be a day where we go to be with the Lord and our enemies 
won't be following. Now you say, well, I've got some enemies who are Christians. Well, if that's the case, if, if, if they are Christians, uh, their sin nature will be gone, so they won't be, a, they won't be a headache to you, okay? So if your enemy happens to be a Christian, they shouldn't be an enemy, but if, if they are, they won't be enemies in heaven, right? We'll all have the right perspective. We'll all be, have the right heart in heaven. There'll be no discord. There'll be no struggle. Any of you who've dealt with somebody who hates you understand what that's like, and it's not pleasant. It's not pleasant for somebody to hate your guts, to plot your demise, to watch every step that you make trying to, to uh, catch you doing something that they can criticize you for. Uh, but one day, that is all going to be over. I want to tell you, the Israelites had a, had a wicked enemy. His name was Haman. And he influenced the king of Persia to make an edict that they would go and they would kill the Jews in the various parts of the empire on a certain day. But God had a plan. He'd put a little Jewish girl, uh, not a little girl, but a young Jewish woman, uh, into the harem of the king of Persia, and she became the queen. And God used her and her uncle Mordecai to influence the course of events, and ultimately Esther confronts Haman, and the king takes care of Haman. He hangs him on the gallows prepared for Mordecai. If you want to know what I'm talking about, read the book of Esther. Okay, uh, great story. God behind the scenes is working, and God takes care of the enemy of God's people and brings them a time of great joy. And it's a feast that the Israelites celebrate to this day because God took care of their enemies. I want to tell you, one day the enemies of God's people will be done. The time of opposition will be over. Now it is our hope, it is my hope that whoever can be saved will be saved. I don't want my enemies to go to hell. But I'm going to tell you something. If they don't trust Christ, I won't have to deal with them anymore. Not just the physical enemies, the spiritual enemies. Our real battle is not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world. Satan and his demons, I want to tell you something. One day their reign will be over. One day they're going to the lake of fire that God prepared for them. And we won't have to deal with them anymore. Hallelujah. <laughs> enemies are temporary. <laughs> I mean, uh, that problem will be no more. Can you imagine a place where there are no enemies? I mean, what would the news people have to talk about? There's no Democrats angry at Republicans. There's no Republicans angry at Democrats. There's no... Uh, Special interest group, angry at some other special interest group. There's no protests. There's no uh, riots. Nothing like that. We'll be ruled by the Prince of Peace. The King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Who speaks and the mountains melt. Listen, I'm going to tell you. Enemies are temporary. 
God is preparing the time for his son to come back and to rule and to reign. He'll rapture his church, I believe, first. And then he'll eventually, after a seven-year period, come down to rule and reign on this earth. And the scripture says that by his brightness, his enemies are slain. His enemies are slain by the words of his mouth. He just has to speak. Jesus doesn't need Smith and Wesson. He just speaks. Boom! All the enemies are gone. (laughs) That's the power of our God. Now, it is the kindness and mercy of God that leads us to repentance. And that's why God delays. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. We're all, we were all God's enemies before Christ. But praise God for his mercy. If you're an enemy of God, if you, not, maybe not necessarily intending to be an enemy of God, but you're just not part of God's kingdom. You need to deal with that, and you need to repent and put your trust in Christ while you can. He wants to forgive you. He wants to give you eternal life while you have the opportunity. Take him up on it. So, when serving or ministry is hard, remember that enemies are temporary. Finally, remember that the Spirit is here. Jesus goes up in the middle of all this, and in the significant day of the festival, Verse 39, he says this about the Spirit. Those who believed in Jesus were going to receive the Spirit. The Spirit who had not yet been given because Jesus had not yet been glorified. Jesus would be exalted to the right hand of the Father, and then he would pour out the Spirit on the day of Pentecost to all who believe in Jesus. Jesus had cried out, If anybody's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Let him find the nourishment of his soul. Rivers of living water will flow from within him. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. There's nothing like the joy of the Lord. Money can't replace it. Accomplishment can't can't replace it. Nothing in this life and nothing this world has to offer can replace a relationship with God. Jesus has given us the Spirit. And when ministry is hard, the Spirit is there with us. He walks through the valley with us. Not just the valley of ministry, but every valley we could face. I remember uh, a time, especially difficult time, years ago in another church where I was, I was struggling. And uh, there was this song that Selah came. I don't know if they wrote it. They, maybe somebody else sang it before them. But... Uh, it was called, In Jesus' Name We Press On. And I remember hearing that song come on, and it was just where I was. I, I had enough strength to, to continue on maybe one day with the Lord's, with the Lord's help. And, uh, but in, and I sang that song, and I'd sing that song, and tears would be rolling down my cheeks. In Jesus' Name We Press On. Dear Lord, with the prize clear before our eyes, we find the strength to press on. And what I found was, as I would draw near to God, the Holy Spirit of God would touch my heart, and he would comfort me, and he would show me that I'm his. There's no trial that can come our way that God can't sustain us through it. Remember that the Spirit is near. And God's given us a promise. 
If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. He said, you'll seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So remember that the Spirit is here. Uh, I, I mentioned earlier, Paul said at one point, we despaired even of life. But this is so that we could find that God is the one who raises the dead. Now, he knew Jesus had raised from the dead before. But he found in his experience that God was enough to raise him up when he was broken. Someone once said, you'll, you'll find that when God is all you have, he's all you need. Jesus is enough. I'm glad Jesus shared with us the struggles of his ministry because it allows us to know that he understands. We don't have a high priest who's not familiar with the feeling of our infirmity, but he has been tested or tempted in every way just as we are yet without sin. He understands what you're going through, what I'm going through, and he's there to help. I'm so glad we have a God like that. When ministry is hard, remember that some will believe that ministry is brief, that eternity is near, that enemies are temporary, and that the Spirit is here. Keep on keeping on. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Keep trusting God to work in the middle of your circumstance. He is faithful. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ, I want to tell you, uh, you need to give your heart and life to him. You have an opportunity here today to repent of your sin and put your trust in Jesus. The Bible says he paid the price for your sin at the cross and he rose again. And because of what he did at the cross, God will forgive you. He'll cancel your debt of sin. Uh, he'll adopt you into his family. Uh, and he'll give you a hope and a future and fulfill the plan he has for your life as you choose today to repent and put your trust in him. You need to, to do that. If you'd like to do that, I want to invite you to come here in a moment and begin our, our invitation. I'd like to pray with you. If you're watching online, you can call out to God right now where you are. And you can say, dear Jesus, I surrender to you. I choose to follow you. And I receive your gift of eternal life. I trust you to save me. And he'll save your soul on the authority of God's word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the amazing message of the gospel. Thank you, God, for giving forgiveness to people like us, Lord. Thank you for renewing us and restoring us when we're broken. Thank you, Lord, for the assurance that you're with us in every season of life. Thank you for the hope that you've given us in Jesus' name.